Hey there, my name is Meli Ramirez and I'm the host of Chingona's Only Club, a podcast for women of all backgrounds where we discuss our struggles with gender norms, societal roles, and social issues. If you want to learn more and connect with strong and equally resilient women, I invite you to listen in every Tuesday on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Let's empower one another through our powerful storytelling. Adios! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am your host, Christina Singh, and the Amplify Her podcast is all about amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. Oh, man, I am so excited for this week's episode. I know I say that every week, but I really, truly am. This week, I am chatting with Lorelai Colbert and... Wow, Lorelai has such a powerful story. She was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 28. And on this episode, she shares her story. She shares so much about her mindset during that time and about the beautiful community that she built while she was getting treatment for cancer. I am really so thrilled to have had this conversation with Lorelai. I've been thinking about it ever since we had this discussion. Her resilience is palpable, but the biggest thing that I really love about this conversation is so much talk about our bodies and self-love and just loving your body through so, so many hard things. So I really hope you enjoy this interview with Lorelai. And I also want to mention, uh, I just want to shout everyone out for their support of the last episode in which I introduced my networking group. I will leave links for the waitlist in the show notes as well, but I just so appreciate all of your support on that. I am so excited for that to launch next month. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it's just the one right before this one. So listen to this episode with Lorelai and then you can go catch up on the one before this. Enjoy this beautiful conversation with Lorelai. Lorelai, welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am so thrilled to have you. This has been such a long time coming and I'm thrilled that we've been able to finally connect and I can't believe you're here. I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And it's just a privilege to see your beautiful face this morning. Right back at you. So (laughs) you and I met through Stephanie Vershow. You were a part of one of her signature programs, and I came to speak uh, that night about what I was doing with Amplify Her Media and just kind of a journey that I've been on. But little did I know you had been on such an incredible journey in your own life. And that night, I remember getting off of the call and crying because it was like the first time I had spoken to a group of women about what I was doing. And it was like really my first speaking engagement because the energy during that time was so beautiful. It was such a wonderful container for people to be vulnerable and heard. And from what I have seen on your journey, you have also created such an incredible container for a very, very vulnerable subject um, to help others feel seen and heard um, around something that would be very scary. 
So can you share with my listeners your journey of breast cancer? What happened? I know you've probably told this story tons of times, but just to have an outline of your journey, it would be great to better understand your story. Absolutely. And I remember that night um, that you spoke to Stephanie's group with the joy method and it was really special. I would never guess that that was your first speaking engagement because (laughs) I just thought you were so raw and real and I'm pretty sure I messaged you immediately after you did. Yeah. Blown away. Um, and I, I just love the idea of amplifying women's voices and women's stories. And that's something that really resonated with me when you spoke. So thank you. And you're absolutely right. I did the, the joy method with Stephanie as I was coming out of active treatment for triple negative breast cancer. And I was 28 when I was diagnosed in 2020. So 2020 was a hard year for many. And then you throw a breast cancer diagnosis at the age of 28. It was a month after our wedding when they found the lump. Um, So it was a very trying time, but I'm, I'm very much someone who loves to, to make an impact and to seize the day. And I felt like my experience with being diagnosed and having my voice heard, uh, being taken seriously at that age needed to be shared. It needed to be amplified in order for other women to know that this can happen. Right. And uh, when I was diagnosed, it was scary. Um, I had to learn what my treatment plan was going to be. I wound up having eight rounds of chemotherapy treatment, a bilateral mastectomy, reconstruction, and I did not do uh, egg preservation in terms of IVF, but I was able to do a shot every 28 days to try to protect any fertility that I currently had uh, within me. So my, my journey was go after the cancer, triple negative is known for being aggressive and I just had to face it. Yeah. So before you got this diagnosis, could you feel things were off or was this, um, a result of an annual checkup? What was the process? I mean, you, you just described an incredibly intense process in your body. What was going on? in your body before this diagnosis that led to this happening for you? So the wild thing about it all was that I didn't have symptoms in terms of my life. I noted, you know, now in hindsight, I noticed that I was very stressed before. And I think personally, it's not proven, but I wonder if that, that stress level allowed something to, to come into my body. Um, but I was actually going to be moving overseas with my husband. So I'm a military spouse and we had orders to move abroad. And in order to move abroad, you need a physical to make sure that you don't need any extra health needs, right? So the irony of this all was was wild, but we really feel like it was meant to be. So I went in for a physical and this nurse welcomed me with the most amazing, genuine kindness. 
And it's something that hit my gut right away that I knew this woman was special. And when the doctor was looking over all my paperwork and said, you're 28, you're not predisposed. I had done genetic testing. Nothing looked like it was headed towards breast cancer. And mind you, I was just in there for a physical. I had asked about birth control because I wasn't sure what the scenario would be living abroad. And the doctor had said, look, looking over everything, you don't need a breast exam. And when she walked out of the room, the nurse questioned it. And she said, so you're not doing it. And again, it was a direct hit to my gut. And I said, because you said it, let's do it. And when the doctor walked back in the room, I asked for the breast exam. And that was the day they found the lump. It was August 25th, 2020. Oh my God. So I, the first thing I can think of that comes into my mind is using your voice for self-advocacy, but also having an ally in that space that used their voice to help you feel stronger and to advocate for yourself. And like you were saying, she felt like a very special person. What a beautiful moment of someone holding your hand and linking up with you to be able for you to have protection and understand what was going on in your body. Obviously, that result feels, you know, very scary to find something like that in one's body. What happened after that lump was found? So after that lump was found, the doctor gave me the pamphlet and said, to call the breast specialist. I I had to go in for an ultrasound to check out what this lump was. And she said, you'll probably have to wait 48 hours. And again, you, you nailed it on the head with self-advocacy. That was my first experience with learning to speak up in my health journey. I walked out the door and I think I lasted seven seconds and I called and tried to make an appointment. They would not make the appointment until the, the system you know, had the request, the referral. So when I finally got in for that ultrasound, the nurse found the lump right away and a new doctor came in and was able to identify that the lump was 3.6 centimeters and looked mostly benign. And she said, you're 28, you can wait six months. Um, That was her recommendation. Or if I wanted to, I could get a biopsy you know, sooner. And again, my gut was just blaring and I'm supposed to be leaving the country. Remember, I mean, I'm just trying to do everything right. So I don't delay our family unit. And I said, I need the first available appointment. I asked if I could get the biopsy that day. And <laughs> yeah. they looked at me like I was a little loco, but they scheduled the biopsy and after the biopsy, it was confirmed that I was facing stage 2B, grade three, triple negative breast cancer at 28. Oh my God. When you got that back, what, what was going through your body and your brain? There are certain conversations that come into your life that make you stop. And that was one of those moments where I felt like the whole world paused. Yeah. And 
the doctor, the initial doctor had called me and I requested that a lot of people say, Oh my goodness, you found out over the phone, but I wanted no time wasted. I wanted to know the news good or bad. So when she called me and told me, I felt like the world stopped. And that night my husband came home and we called our families and our work teams. And then we put our phones away, had an amazing, delicious dinner and got in the mindset that we are a team and we didn't really know what we were facing, right? You can Google anything you want, but to live it is another thing. Yeah. Um, but we knew that we were just going to face it with everything we had. And then when you were facing it, what happened in those early days of treatment? It sounds like you were incredibly proactive in your self-care and you just wanted answers and wanted things to to get moving, which is completely understandable. I think some people might avoid, uh, you know, that, that pain or the anxious and, and fearful moments. What did you do in, in that circumstance? I faced a lot of it with gratitude and kindness, and I love my team, but I remember my first meeting with my oncology surgeon. Um, I just said, I am so grateful that you're on my team. I'm ready to face this. And she looked at me and said, you know, this is serious, right? And I said, oh, I know this is serious, but I'm controlling what I could in that situation. Yeah. And I had my wonderful team. I wound up getting a second opinion. And, um, as I said earlier, we were going to face it right away with chemo. And we were going to face it with that shot. It's called Lupron to preserve, uh, try to save my ovaries. And I decided I need to share this story. I didn't know if I wanted to share it on social media or not. But after my experience, other women needed to know that this happens. And it's not that doctors have it out for us. But I think we like to, we're all human. And we like to believe that you're 28, you're living this great life. It can't be cancer, but it can be. And too many times young women are delayed in their diagnosis. And what does that mean? That means that the cancer has opportunity to spread or perhaps their lives are in jeopardy. So I needed to share my story. And in order to do that, I decided I was going to do a kindness challenge and I wanted to honor that nurse, her kindness that, in my opinion, saved my life. So I challenged my community to the Chemo to Kindness Challenge on my first day of chemotherapy. And it was a challenge to ask for 100 acts of kindness every week for eight rounds of chemotherapy treatment. And it was this this fun little passion project brainchild I thought of as I was getting my hair cut off proactively and, and doing all the things I thought, let me control what I can and, and live by my own mantras. Because as I mentioned, you, you hope that it's going to be a good journey, but you don't really know what you're facing. Yeah. It's really powerful, obviously. And I'm really, incredibly moved by your choice because we're all making that choice to step into kindness and how 
you can share information and spread kindness to really embody it in your body during a moment that feels very unkind to your body. Mm -hmm. What did that then do for your mental state? Because like you were saying, you're having your hair cut off and you're saying spread kindness. You're having things injected into your body to preserve your body. And you're saying spread kindness. What did that do to your mental state when you were using your voice in that way? It lifted my spirits more than I could have ever imagined. I was hopeful that the kindness challenge was going to lift me up during these hard times. And I had recently listened to a podcast just before I was diagnosed that talked about the science behind acts of kindness and how even if you're not the one doing acts of kindness and you hear about it, it lifts you up. Mm. So I was hoping that it was going to do that. And it, it lifted my spirits. It gave me this mindset that brought me to something bigger than myself. And it took me out of my four walls at home when I was healing or going through the side effects of each round. It took me out of the four walls of my chemo room when I was having chemo therapy drugs injected into me. And I'm getting pinned, pinged with notifications that acts of kindness are popping up all over the world in honor of me, a 28-year-old who was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. Yeah. I find it so beautiful that in your moment of facing something ultimately alone in your body, you have obviously people around you helping you, but it is your body. Mm-hmm. you're going through it alone, that your inclination was, I want to build community. I want to build a community based around good so I can know that there is a community out there doing good in the world. I think that's incredibly beautiful and such just the goal of our time on this earth is building kind communities and being kind to each other. Is that something that you, I mean, you, you'd mentioned you were incredibly stressed out before you got this diagnosis. Is that something you had cultivated before your diagnosis? Um, or was this something that you just realized like, oh, this is what I need? Where has this been a thread that you've pulled through your life? Or was this something that was new? I think kindness and just personability has been something that's been innate. My dad I'm always- not shocked by this yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. My dad always tells me this story. He would like walk down to go get coffee from the gas station and I'd be in my stroller just waving at all the cars. And I just think that's always been me. I've tried to be very inclusive my entire life. And to fix that sentence, I don't know if I had to try. I think just naturally, I like seeing the good in others. I like welcoming others. I like bringing people around the table that might not have been together before. So it was really cool to see all of a sudden this I turn to we 
Um, as in I'm facing this, this breast cancer diagnosis, but we are the kindness community and we are coming together to overcome this together. Um, I started doing weekly videos to let everyone know one, how I was doing. So again, I'm raising awareness on this triple negative breast cancer that needs, needs more awareness. It needs more dollars and, and research. So these diagnoses aren't so scary. Yeah. And I was also letting everyone know where we were at for our goal of 1600 acts. So I would pop on and say, this week was really hard. I lost my hair this week. I'm gaining weight uncontrollably, but we're at 157 acts of kindness around the world. And here are some of the ones that made me cry, or here are some of the ones that really touched my heart. And they weren't all monetary. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just asking people to spend money on me or spend money on others. Um, some people submitted acts of kindness that they called an old friend or they, they got in touch with their parent after a hard conversation or some of my favorites, they scheduled their OBGYN appointment. Yeah. So their act of kindness was towards themselves. And that was really, really special to be a part of. I mean, 100%. Look at the power that you have of bringing light into other people's lives. How beautiful and an incredibly dark moment. And I want to touch on that darkness a bit. You know, I think that, you know, maybe a cynical person in the world would be like, oh, it's so easy to, you know, shower positivity and maybe not face what's happening inside. I don't think that's correct, but I could, I could imagine people mm -hmm. saying, well, it's really easy to just say everything's fine and maybe not address what's actually going on and the trauma of what's actually going on. I don't feel that you're doing that whatsoever in your journey, but how have you really taken a step and a deep look at your trauma that, that you've endured over the past nearly three years? That's a great question. And as beautiful as the kindness challenge was, there were some really hard moments throughout. Facing cancer is no easy feat. And one thing I've learned is facing cancer as a young woman is not an easy feat. Being newly married, losing my breasts, losing my nipples. I mean, body image is huge mental health is huge. And I don't think everyone realizes that cancer survivors are not finished when they ring the bell or when they finish treatment, because all of a sudden you have that goal. You're chasing, you're chasing all of your appointments. And then your doctors say, we'll see you in three months. And that for me, survivorship, has been one of the hardest parts of this journey. Mm. Survivorship is hard because all of a sudden you're not on this wheel of appointments and you have time to actually process everything that just happened. 
now everyone thinks you're done and hey, now, you know, it's all good, right? And that question just stings because what's good? What's good is that I'm learning to love my scars. I don't have breasts. I don't have nipples. Well, now I have implant breasts, but even that is just learning to love who I am and learning to love the body that got me through it. I was on steroids for weeks and weeks, and I personally gained 30 pounds throughout the journey. And even that, I would say that to some people and they would say, well, don't people usually lose weight? Well, it's all different. And again, being a 28, 29 year old woman, that was hard. It was hard when my hair started growing back on my head. So all of a sudden you lose your hair that's traumatic. And your hair finally comes back. And I would cry at night because I felt like I had a beard on my head. Mm. It was so stubbly when it first came (laughs) in. I was like, don't cuddle me. I'm overweight. I have no boobs. And now I have a beard on my head. Like, it's just these little things that, that were hard. Yeah. And sometimes it's still hard, but I strongly believe we are better and stronger together. I think by sharing our stories, vulnerability is a a strength. And that is what helps us get through these dark times is knowing that one day it will get better. One day my hair will be soft and I'm almost at a ponytail level. (laughs) Yes. I thank you for sharing that because isn't it just it's it's our your body did something so absolutely incredible your body healed and is continuing to heal and you are 100% facing that trauma and understanding what that meant for your body head on but it doesn't mean that's easy at all and It doesn't mean that all of those messages that we have on how our bodies are supposed to look and feel and act on a day-to-day basis aren't going to hit you hard either, or other people aren't going to make comments, you know, that, that make you, you know, have to say, well, it's going to be a different experience for everyone. And I think it's a beautiful and tragic journey to heal, but have to deal with a lot of the outside messaging and forces that we're constantly facing mm-hmm. around how we look, which you are 100% allowed to feel and allowed to battle and, and tell your husband not to snuggle you in those <laughs> things. But it's just like, wow. I can, all I can think of is look at what your body did for you and conversely, what you have to deal with from messaging as well on how we're supposed to act and look after you had cancer. Um, how are you feeling now in your body? You said you're getting to a ponytail, which I adore. How are you navigating your journey with your body and your process of healing and your survivorship story, like you mentioned today. I, I personally love my body. 
And there are some days where I might get frustrated with it, but I think even with my body image, I come at it from a place of gratitude and I know what we went through together. And the thing is before cancer, I used to think that as well. Like I've always been into fitness and and I would run and I would just look down and be like, wow, I'm so grateful for these legs right now. Like, look at us moving. And then it's almost like this betrayal. You feel healthy, you, you have this lump and now you can feel that lump. Um, it was, it's wild, but I, I feel really good now. And I'm almost two years out of chemo. Wow. Um, which means I'm not quite there yet for surgery. So I did chemo first and then my surgeries, but I've lost a lot of my chemo weight, which for me, my body just wasn't used to having that on it. Um, I, I love my scars. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to do tattooed nipples or not right now. I just have my cute lines Yeah, and it's special. Um, just last month, my husband and I went on our honeymoon that we never got to have. And it was so beautiful to honor my body with a vacation and take my new boobs <laughs> on a honeymoon <laughs> because you, as I mentioned, we were, I was diagnosed right after we got married. Yeah. So we had hiked and, um, you know, we like went to this tide pool and it was so special and, so many times I looked at my husband, like, can you believe everything we've overcome to get to this moment? And I think that was just a beautiful testament. And it was a celebration for our love, but also to have my body there and to be proud of it and to feel beautiful and, and feel strong and healthy. I think that is, that is something that we always think about when you get sick, you're like, Oh man, being healthy is so nice. Like even when you just get a cough. Right. And when you go through breast cancer and like everything's impacted to feel healthy and strong is really, really special. Yeah. I really love how much love you have for your body. I think it's really important for people to hear that and for you to say it out loud. And so I really appreciate you saying that and me asking you that question and immediately you saying, I love my body. And I think it's really important for women to hear that and for everyone on this earth to hear when someone loves their body Mm -hmm. after, you know, not just going through so much, but in general, like you were saying before you got a diagnosis, you would be running and say, man, look at us go. I think that is such a beautiful testament to who you are as a person and your confidence and your mental health. And, but also, um, the message that you're trying to instill with other people and your advocacy. And now that you've been through this journey and you have turned your moment of struggle into advocacy, what have you seen? You've, you've said a few things about the acts of kindness that you 
um, were seeing when you were getting chemo treatments and you saw people taking action in your name. But in particular, what have you seen um, via your advocacy around women and communities of women who are now getting checked? Um, What are you seeing? So I'm seeing a really beautiful wave of self-love from my fellow survivors and raw honesty about everything that we've gone through. I've seen for young women, this call to action to schedule those routine appointments. And I know that's something that I really stand by, especially knowing that my whole journey started with the physical. Um, But really that self-advocacy part that we touched on earlier, I think is huge. And it might not be that you're in there for a breast exam, but maybe you're speaking to another doctor who's not hearing you, right? Listen to your gut and trust your instinct because at the end of the day, we are all human. And I think we know our bodies the best. If you have a tumultuous relationship with your body, if you have a beautiful relationship with your body, as long as you're checking in, you are your own best advocate. So that is what I'm seeing a lot is knowing your normal because we all have different normals and being able to advocate for yourself. Yeah. And who is advocating uh, for you as you know, you were going through this journey, who besides yourself, who in your life was your advocate? I think my husband was an amazing advocate and caregiver. Um, he mastered our notebook of when I was getting medication and what I might need or what we might consider. Um, and of course I was like, every time I feel something I call, even now I still call if I, if I feel like something's not right. But I think those who joined in on the kindness challenge were also advocates in their own way, because as soon as they shared that a 28 year old had triple negative breast cancer, they were spreading awareness that this could happen. And I think advocacy, and as we said, you know, amplifying voices, amplifying stories is what is going to save lives. And I think when we're aware that things can happen, we take things a little bit more seriously. So if you see something that's not normal in your body, you might remember that one random social media post you saw about someone young getting breast cancer, and maybe you need to call your doctor where before you might've shrugged it off. And I think that's a beautiful part of advocacy and shows how one small act can make a huge impact. I absolutely agree with you. And I'm curious, what have you now learned about your diagnosis that you would want to share with other folks? I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is going in to get checked out and getting a physical and and going to the doctor, um, is something glaring in my mind that I'm going to go do after this appointment, after this interview, I'm going to go make an appointment. Um, but (laughs) thank you. (laughs) But what have you learned, um, about your diagnosis that you would want to share with others? So that is a great question. 
And one thing I learned about my diagnosis, so I keep saying triple negative breast cancer. And before I was diagnosed, I had heard it, the term before, but I didn't truly understand it. And there are different types of breast cancer. There are different types of chemo. There are different surgeries. And I think if we understand as a community that all of these breast cancer survivors, it's not just one pink ribbon. There are different diagnoses and there are different um, aggressiveness levels. So triple negative is known for being aggressive. There are also breast cancer specific subtypes that our that are hormonal driven, or they might be genetically linked to um, certain gene mutations. So if you or your family have been impacted by breast cancer, and I believe some research is showing that even if you have prostate cancer in your family, you could qualify for genetic testing. And that is something that I had done because my grandmother passed away from ovarian cancer. And I just didn't even know that there could be a cancer not linked to our hormones. I mean, I learned so much, but it's really, it's really just staying on top of your body and your health. Yeah. You know, I think we have one life. And sometimes we take that one life for granted. I've made silly decisions. I've probably not treated my body the best in certain situations, but just to be aware and to be open that things could happen. And you mentioned earlier that people might be scared to explore these things. And even now, when I do speaking engagements, I've had conversations where women have come up and have said, I'm just nervous to do that genetic testing because what if it comes back? Well, what if it comes back that you should be on a medication or, or it comes back that you are likely, or you are predisposed, you can control what you can. And I think that's where we can lean into the science and the research and be brave and go for it. I mean, yeah, it's hard. And even now going in for appointments, it's hard, but I'd rather be on top of it, knowing that early detection can save lives rather than on the back end of that. Yes. And I want to really dive into the fear and the hard part of it because there, that is an issue for me. I am an avoider. And a fearful person when it comes to hard things, but I can do them. And we all can. When you're going into those moments, and even now you're saying it's still scary, but you're doing them afraid. What are the things that are swirling through your brain to put one foot in front of the other, to call, to make the appointments, to advocate for yourself? What are those small, tiny things that you're, you're mentally doing or even physically doing to help yourself keep taking those tiny steps towards the bigger picture? Mm. I really think it's the mindset of, of controlling what I can. And I know I've mentioned that a few times, but that was one of the biggest things that have come out of my journey 
whether it was controlling going through chemo with a challenge or now controlling I can't always, we can control our thoughts, but sometimes as we know, those thoughts invade us. And I especially think of my last two gyno appointments following breast cancer. That physical that turned into a gyno appointment was the reason that my breast cancer was found. So going into that appointment was really triggering, but what would happen if I didn't go? Would I rather be aware of good news or bad news? Or for me, a triple negative diagnosis, if you let it be, that's probably death. And I think when you're looking at life and death, it's really not for everyone, but it's really easy to choose life. And a term I learned on my journey was survivra. And it's a French word for survive. And when you think of survive, you think of that you're barely hanging on, right? But survivra broken down to its root words is on to live. And I carried that word through my whole journey. And even now, I think when I'm in those moments of fearful decision-making or fearful opportunities I vowed to Survivra. I didn't come this far to, to turn away because things got a little scary. I, I'll cry through it. And I've told nurses and I've told doctors, I'm probably going to cry through this appointment, but I'm here. And oh, yes. that is, that's, that's how I get through it. Yeah. You're there. You showed up. Yeah. With Beautiful. tears rolling down my face, uh-huh. but we're doing, and that's, that's been for my follow-up gyno that has been, I thought I felt some weird tissue. I advocate now to do self breast exams again, even that I have friends that say they're fearful of it. Um, but I felt weird tissue. I cried through that appointment, but I'm in the appointment. Right. You're still advocating for yourself afraid. Mm-hmm. That's so important for me to hear. And I know for others to hear as well. So my last question for you is I could ask you a billion, um, (laughs) is when you're looking back on photos and videos of yourself during treatment, during this journey, you're still the same person. It's you. What do you love most about that time? what do you love most about yourself during that time that that person i love that my spirit never dimmed and throughout the photos and the videos when i look back you can see the weight gain you can see the days that were really hard but then i'll scroll one photo over and see that i'm making a really silly face with no makeup and all this added weight or some pricklies on my head um i love that i that my spirit was there and yes there were hard days and i'm sure my spirit dimmed a little bit but overall i was able to still show up as my best self knowing that my best self was going to change every day. Yeah. Oh, 
thank you so much for taking the time to come on this show. And I think you've not only shared such a beautiful lesson in kindness and advocating for yourself, but really just self-love. And I just genuinely appreciate that your story is showing self-love comes in so many forms, in so many ways from sitting on a table and, and accepting a moment of advocacy from that nurse to pressing share on a post that might be hard to, to share and to going to your appointments crying. I think that self-love can show itself in all of these ways. And I really appreciate you showing that and sharing that with me today and in everything that you're doing in the world. So thank you for being here and being so open to the process and, and sharing your voice. I really, really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and something that's been on my heart. It goes back to the, the joy method with Stephanie, where I met you. One of the key takeaways from that was loving yourself into change. And that is something I share with fellow survivors now because that self-love is a journey. But when we recognize that we want to, we want to be better because we love ourselves. I think that's a really special place to come from. And that is something I've carried with me on my journey. It's something I've shared with other survivors. And I don't know if that resonated with you, but that's something that when I am getting down, I just think I, I love myself more. You know, I want to be better. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely resonated with me. <laughs> I, oh, this episode is really special. And um, where can people find you so they can consume and, and continue to, to share this journey with you? Yeah. So join me on my journey on Instagram or I, I TikTok a little at Lorelai <laughs> Colbert. Um, but also please take a look at my website, lorelaicolbert.com. There is a place that you can look at some of the acts from the Chemo to Kindness Challenge. There's also a place of the, the nonprofits that were impacted. And now I am so honored to share some of my journey and lessons learned through speaking and writing. So if you think this story resonates or you think someone needs to hear it, please go to my website and share it or or connect with me. I would I would love to to spread the word as much as I can because I really think it makes a difference and it can save lives. Yeah, I agree with you. Please we'll link everything in the show notes for people. So please 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 go and listen and read and just be a part of this beautiful community that Lorelai has built. Lorelai, thank you for being on the show today. Um it was just such a pleasure having you. Thank you. And never forget if you're listening that your voice matters and your story matters. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Amplify Her podcast. Hey, I am your host, Bronica Castellanos. And every Monday, I hope you can tune in because I'll be dropping new episodes with the Momster podcast. Motherhood can be one of the trickiest things to maneuver through emotionally, physically, spiritually, and 
on my episodes. I'm going to talk about all the things, the good, the bad, the ugly, and joyful moments as well. So tune in every Monday, the Momster Podcast, which is part of the Amplify Her Media Network. We are all works in progress. What if we took that a step further, pausing for a moment to ask ourselves, what else is possible? What if you were to just be with the question so that you can then choose something different for your life, not having to seek out any answer? So join me, Carmen Shields, on the Discovering Amazing Possibilities podcast every other Wednesday. Get curious about your life. What amazing possibilities have you not considered in your life today? The Amplify Her podcast is a part of the Amplify Her Media Network. You can check out more shows on the Amplify Her Media Network over on Instagram at Amplify Her Media.